Hi, this is Carl Reiner, working hard to promote his new book, I Remember Me, and where better to promote it on the Dr. Sky Show. A doctor. He's a real doctor. I have never spoken to a doctor who interviews so brilliantly. It's because he's got a degree in, what is a doctor? (laughs) Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue to move through time and space. Always great guests here on the Dr. Sky Show. And as you know, ladies and gentlemen, from time to time, we're honored by having celebrity guests from all different walks of life. And today is certainly no exception. Today, the great Carl Reiner, an American actor, film director, producer, writer, and comedian. He's won 12 Emmy Awards and one Grammy Award during his illustrious career. We have Mr. Reiner here, and we're grateful for his time, talking about his recently issued memoirs entitled, I Remember Me. Folks, some 55 chapters talking about his life and all the great people that he's come across in this most phenomenal life. Sir, welcome to the show. It's a privilege and honor to have you. You're 91 years young, and from what I got out of your book, you're just raring to go for the next 91. Well, I'm, I'm trying. As a matter of fact, you <laughs> caught me while I was tweeting. <laughs> I love it. I got to read some of your tweets, and uh, tell us, the, the tweets have become what, a pretty stable part, stable part of your life. You know, sir, I'm going to give you a first. I just tweeted this about five, about four minutes ago. There are two new tweets. There's the 79th new Reiner Dictionary word. I'm writing a new dictionary with new words. People's, you know, the old dictionary is just, you know, it's been done. So right. this, this new word is vortexanautica. Vortexanautica. Oh, that's a it's a noun. It's the rare hemispheric condition caused by tornadoes spawned in divergent weather zones. Vortexanautica. Oh, that's interesting, and I followed your tweets so well, Mr. Reiner. The first one to tell you that I'm paying attention, as you know better, is Odd Vark, and you describe it as what? An odd-looking Vark, 82 B.C. (laughs) Well, I got another one I just finished, and I don't know if this is... uh, Maybe you can help me. It's uh, decormative, D-E-C-O-R-U-M-T-I-V, decormative. Wow, you got me on that one. That's a... unsolicited advice given to a professional room designer. Decormative. <laughs> and very interesting book. Now, when is that book possibly coming out? Oh, I don't know. We've only got <laughs> seventy-nine. I think I have to do. What is the unabridged dictionary? Thousands. Oh, hundreds oh, of here. thousands, Mr. Oh, Reiner. The, Webs- <laughs> the Webster's. I'm just looking at Webster's. That's a hundred, uh, hundred fifty thousand entries. So, hundred fifty thousand. So I'm a, I, I have to, oh, I have to last another year at least. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Talking about I Remember Me, I mean, I find this fascinating. 55 chapters written from the heart, sir. I learned so much about you. I learned so much about your children. Of course, Rob, Annie, Lucas, your lovely wife, uh, who sadly passed on, as, as we all know, in 2008. But I've I got to salute you, sir. 65 years married, and I'm sure still madly in love with Estelle. Tell me uh, a little bit about the origin of writing I Remember Me. Well, you know, I had written uh, a while ago, about a couple of years ago, I wrote a thing called My Anecdotal Life, where I decided I might want to write a bio, and then I said, oh, I don't want to leave. I just want to do, still be funny, so I picked out on particular stories that tickled me that were funny, mainly funny, and, and I finished with it. And then I realized, as I'm walking around the block every day, stories would pop into my head. I said, i got to put that down. i got to put that down. Yes. So as I kept putting them down, I realized I had a, 
I had to do this, and I went. I, you know, the thing that really triggered me is I got a letter, and I think the first thing in the book is about my bar mitzvah speech. I got a letter from this woman, Mrs. Passarelli, and she said she found this this little speech written in beautiful handwriting. My father was an engraver, and it was a a, a bar mitzvah speech she had done for her. Her son, and he he had passed away. He was my age. Oh, and, uh, and she found it, but she found my father's name on the back, and she said, "You might like to have this." And I realized that it's the same speech I made a year before. He huh. had written a little bar mitzvah speech for me, and that started me going. I said, "My God, that's the beginning." I, you know, today I'm a man, and I started with absolutely. That. You become a man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just joining us, a living legend here, uh, 91 years young, is an American actor, film director, producer, writer, and comedian. He's won 12 Emmy Awards and one Grammy Award during his illustrious career that continues in force. We're talking with none other than Carl Reiner. His new memoir, I Remember Me, 55 chapters. This man, of course, rocks. And ladies and gentlemen, we're so privileged to have you. Mr. Reiner, thank you for spending time with us today and talking all about your life. Let's start with your family. New York City, I'm a native New Yorker myself, born in Jamaica, Queens, and you obviously born in Bronx, New York. Describe to us your early days, your mom, Bessie, and, and Irving, your father, a watchmaker, and so much more. He was an inventor, too, I understand. Yes, well, he, uh, he, I saw my father every day of my life because he worked. He didn't like working in a, in a jewelry store. The store he worked in was under the L... The elevated train, and mm-hmm. it would rumble by, and he would drop things. So yeah. he decided to work at home. So by the time I was four or five years old, he was in our living room, dining room. That's We had a three-room apartment. He sat by a window, and he did his work, and I came home from school every day and sat there. And, and some of the stories that one my favorite story of all was when I was 13, I'm sitting on the couch, and I my father was a stoic. He never made any other sound of of annoyance or he never cursed the most that ever came out of him was tisk tisk and they came out <laughs> that's what you hear and i when i looked up that one two times i heard it once he had a screwdriver had pierced the flesh of his forefinger right oh. the tip of his forefinger and all i heard was a and I looked up, and he was thinking about how to get it out. I said, don't you pull it out, pull it out. He said, no, no. If I pull it out, the thick end of the screwdriver will rip more flesh. So he cut the bottom, pulled it out with the thin part, and yeah. bandaged his finger and went back to work. And that was the first tissue. The second one was my favorite that I wrote about. Yes. He, he said... He did the tisk kiss, and I looked up, and he said, look at that. I said, what is that? He said, he was holding something between his thumb and forefinger. He says, it's a silver filling. That's been Oh, my, yeah, this is a good chapter. <laughs> yeah, that's been in my tooth for, 30, for 38 years, he said. I said, Pa, how, how could you know how long a silver filling is in your tooth? He said, this one I put in myself. I oh, said, my God. He actually was like 16 or 18 years old. He was a, a and he lived in Chernovitz, a, a, a hungry Poland. And mm-hmm. he moved to Vienna when he was 14. I think he was a, already a master watchmaker. He had a, when he was 17 or 18, he had um, a, a, two, two molars that had needed filling. He went to a dentist. The, the dentist hurt him so badly. He said he ran out of the office, screaming with pain, paid the dentist. And he said the second one he was going to do himself. He bought a book. He bought a book on dentistry, found out how to make facets. He bought a book on amalgams, how to make silver and mercury fillings. That's incredible. And he said 
And I wouldn't hurt myself. He says, I drilled. I had all these little drills. And I stopped drilling when I felt pain. It took me a little longer. But he filled the filling. And Irving Reiner, a very inventive man. That's an amazing story, Carl. You know, you also describe him as an inventor. I mean, you were telling me off air that there's a lot of things that your father uh, actually put together in a very inventive mind. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, one of the things, two of the things I, I, one of the things in my book, there's a book, a picture of him playing the violin. And I entitle it Irving Shoots Irving Playing Irving. The the shooting Irving is the part that, what is that? Well, he did learn to play a violin by buying a violin when he was 20 years old. He he admired the fact his brother took lessons when he was a kid, and he always said he's going to get a violin when he's 20. He bought a violin for $500 that my granddaughter plays today, by the way. And uh, he taught himself to play from a book again. He he got a book and did the same with a flute. He learned, played it in little orchestras around New York, and... That was, you know, the the beginning of his, uh, but now he has this picture of himself playing a violin. Right. And what happened is that my father was always a photographer. When he was a kid, he made a, a pinhole camera for himself. He bought a daguerreotype kind of pl- uh, plate a camera, you know, sure. glass plate camera. When mm-hmm. took pictures of my mother nursing my brother, which I have to this day, a hundred year old picture uh, in glass. And he was a photographer, but there was never any pictures of himself because he was always taking pictures of other people. He sat one day and figured out he's a watchmaker. He made a little device with a spring. He he, he wound up a little little device, put it on the camera, gave him one minute to get into place, and the camera clicked him. Taking, he took a picture of himself. So there's Ir- and that, the word Irving shoots Irving, playing Irving. My granddaughter who played the violin. I saw a concert for her. She's wait, I'll be right with you. I got to get Irving. I said, who's Irving? She's I call the violin Irving. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. (laughs) <laughs> she had a picture of her grandfather in in the uh, in the case playing that violin. Amazing story. Our special guest is Carl Reiner, ladies and gentlemen. A privilege and honor to have him today talking about his memoirs, 55 chapters of his life. Great story. The book entitled I Remember Me. Mr. Reiner, I understand that your brother Charlie's credited for reading something in the New York Daily News about a free dramatic workshop by the WPA. And you show up, and, and the rest is history. This is a path that uh, changes well, you know, my life. I had the pleasure of going to to, uh, to Washington one year, and when they gave me the Mark Twain Prize, and the Library of Congress asked me about how I got to be who I am. And I realized, you know, now they say, get the government off, get the people off the government's back. Yes. It was the government that made me who I am today. My brother Charlie saw an ad in the paper that said, WPA, the Works Progress Administration, right. free acting lessons at 100 Center Street, New York. I went down there, and I, I enrolled. I was 17 years old, and I learned reading Shakespeare, things I'd never done before. And that was the beginning of it. That was the government now. And then and one, a year later, the NYA radio workshop, I got $22 
a month for doing three radio shows a, a month, uh, announcing operas and, and, and you know and yeah. concerts and and doing Arch Obler stories and uh, Norman Cohen plays on the air for twenty two dollars a month. The government paid actors to learn to act and to be actors. They paid painters to do murals of post offices. They paint. They paid the professional musicians to learn their craft. And as a matter of fact, when I was 16 years old, the first play I ever saw a musical was The Mikado, done by the WPA in high school. It was thrilling to hear a full orchestra and a full cast of characters. All these people would have been out of work. Now they were getting enough money for subsistence. So I say the government not only helped me, but I wouldn't be an actor if it wasn't for the government. Well, it's a very interesting story, Mr. Reiner, because we don't ever really hear the details like you've given us today. And shifting gears in the short time we have with your okay, the love of your life, Estelle, very talented, of course, and amazing story you're about to tell us that I didn't know this until I read your memoirs, of course, that she has the number four most memorable of all time movie lines, of course. <laughs> This most amazing line, which is, quote, what? I'll have what she's having when Harry met Sally. She's even ahead of Humphrey Bogart with Here's Looking at You, Kid. Tell us about that. That's amazing. Well, Robbie, Robbie Reiner was doing When Harry Met Sally in New York, and he had this one line that Billy Crystal came up with, and he called his mother in California. He said, Ma, you've got to come to New York. She says, why? She said, this one line I want you to say in Katz's Delicatess. And she says, Rob, there's 100 actors in New York who can do it. He's not like you, Ma. And then she did the line, and the rest is history. There wasn't an airport we didn't go through. People used to yell at her, I'll have what she's having. But you know, the interesting thing is he knew his mother could do it. His mother and my wife had a, a way of saying funny things very shortly. There's one I have in the book that I absolutely love. When my son was 18 and Annie, my daughter, was 16, she was thinking what she wanted for her birthday. And Robbie said, why don't you get a nose job like nose job like your mm-hmm. friends did? They were getting part little noses in Bethlehem then for their 16th birthday. I said, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" Her mother has a bigger nose than than Annie, and look at the handsome guy she got. And <laughs> and Estelle said, "Yes, it's not the size of your nose that counts; it's what's in it." <laughs> at right. the time, I was doing the jerk with uh, Steve Martin. I told him, and he laughed. Ten years later. He calls my house. He says, can I speak to Estelle? I said, what is it? I got up to ask her something. He said, Estelle, you know that line you said, can I borrow it? He says, She's, of course, what, what do you want it for? He was doing Cyrano. He was doing Roxanne. Yes. And there's Cyrano using Estelle's line. It's not the size of your nose that counts. It's what's no. in it. That is funny. See, I never knew that. I mean, I remember Steve Martin in that particular movie. So what a wonderful story, Carl Reiner. I mean... This is an amazing journey, uh, your life. I mean, there's so limited time today to talk about so many of the things. But i got to ask you this. Of all the people that I read about in this book, your close friendship, your bond at the hip there between you and Mel Brooks. I mean, I'm, I can't stop laughing every time I see that guy on TV. Well, I, it's, it's ongoing. We met in 1950, and it's now 2013. And in the last, I don't know how many years... I wish each other every day. He comes over every night. That's we watch awesome. Television together. We have dinner together. We we uh, fall asleep. No, he falls asleep. I don't fall asleep as much. On I say, <laughs> wake up, wake up. Something great on. We're watching Breaking Bad now, and we just love it. We have. Oh, I, it's I, amazing. I mean, Mel is something. Uh, you you know him obviously as a personal friend, but watching and 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 seeing these movies when I was young, like Blazing Saddles. I mean, oh. I never laughed so hard. 
just uh, hilarious. He, he, he did a slew of the funniest movies ever made. The producers, Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it just uh, he he broke it open for everybody to go crazy. Carl Reiner, you've been in a number of wonderful movies too. Another one that I enjoy, and I'm going to promote here, and I'd love you to tell me a little bit behind the scenes story. The Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Now, here's one that I think is also a phenomenal movie to say. Well, I love being in that because when I did The Russians Are Coming, I hadn't acted for about five or six years, not seriously. I was producing and writing in the Dick Van Dyke show for television. And at the very end of last year, Norman Jewison came to my house and he said, I got this project. I'd like you to be in it. And he offered the, me the role of the Russian at the Russian uh, character in it. And I mm-hmm. said, gee, I used to do that on the show, shows, fake Russian accents, and I turned it down. And as a matter of fact, I'm glad I did because I got the role of the lead. He came back again. He said, would you like to play the lead? And I'd never played a lead in a movie. And I, it was the last two weeks of the show, of the Van Dyke show, and Persky and Denoff, Bill Persky and Sam Denoff took over for me, and I was able to go free and become an actor and put my toupee on again <laughs> and, and become an actor. And that was, that was a thrill for me, uh, the, the, uh, the going up to Mendocino County and, and just working with Ann, with um, um, Marie um, Marie Saint and uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Winters and uh, the wonderful cast of people in that it was just a thrill. Carl Reiner in more recent movies that I'm sure a lot of folks the younger generation recognizes is the Great Ocean series eleven twelve and thirteen. They know you I'm sure as many. And people by the way, I have yes. I have to thank uh, Mr. Weintraub for uh, casting me in that because. Yes. Now, nobody would know who I am because all the good things I did were 20, 30 years ago. But Saul Bloom happened. Mm-hmm. The Oceans 11, 12, and 13 happened recently. So when I do go, do go to a store, young kids will say, oh, that's the guy from Oceans. So they've kept me alive. <laughs> Folks, an amazing moment here in, in our broadcast history here. We're privileged and honored to have Carl Reiner. Once again, an American actor, film director, producer, writer, and comedian. He's won 12 Emmy Awards and one Grammy Award during his career. He's kind enough to talk with us today about his new memoir, some 55 chapters of amazing stories, ladies and gentlemen, simply entitled I Remember Me. We're speaking with him from his home in California. Mr. Reiner, there's so many shows that you've been on, and I find in the short time that we have here, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about Dick Van Dyke, the show. We had Rosemary here about a month or two ago, and God bless her. She's also a wonderful actress, as you know, and come to know her. But talk about the Dick Van Dyke show and Dick Van Dyke. Well, the Dick Van Dyke show, after I did the show of shows, I was being offered the uh shows to do with situation comedies, and they weren't very good. And my wife, in her infinite wisdom, says, why don't you write one? And I said, I, I don't can't write that. And what I did is, and I remember this as if it were yesterday, I was riding home to New Rochelle in my car at the 96th Street exit on the Franklin Dillon Roosevelt Drive, and I said to myself, hey, Reiner, what piece of ground do you stand on? Nobody else stands on it. I said, well, I live in New Rochelle, and I work in New York. And I, I, when I'm in New York, I work on a variety show, and I talk about how it is at home with my wife and kids. When I get home, I talk about the show. I'll write about that. And I wrote a thing called Head of the Family, and it turned out to be a pretty good pilot. And, and uh, Paul, uh, Peter Lawford picked it up. Uh, to, he was going to finance it. And I realized if I did a pilot and I was in it, I better have a Bible. So that summer, I wrote 13 episodes of the of the head of the family. I did the pilot. It was okay. I did it with a very good actress, Barbara Britton and Morty Gunty and Sylvia Miles. But it, it wasn't good enough, and it didn't sell. 
So I went about my business and I wrote a, a movie for Doris Day called The Thrill of It All. I was at Universal and I get a call from my agent who was very bothered that he had 13 episodes of a, what he considered might be a hit show on his desk to spawn. To, and, and he called me one day and he says, I've given this to Sheldon Leonard and Danny Thomas, who have a production company, and they, they want to see you. And I came up there and I said, gentlemen, I'm so pleased that you like my material, but yeah. I don't want to fail right. the same material twice. And Sheldon, I'll do a good impression of him right here. He yeah. says, Carl, you won't fail because we'll get a better actor to play you. <laughs> and he suggested Dick Van Dyke, went to New wow. York, saw him in Bye Bye Birdie and found... Maybe the most talented actor. This man could do anything, anything. At, at a drop of a hat, he can be 15 different things. No, Mr. Ronnie, you're so correct. And, you know, not to do a selfless promotion here, but uh, in our area and across the country, of course, I watch every night here, uh, Me TV uh, with the Dick Van Dyke Show, the reruns. And also, I'm uh, interested to, to share with the audience, I thought your little promo there with the Shut Up Mel was just absolutely so cool <laughs> that we all watch here. A wonderful show. and. Again, sir, we're so honored to have you here as our guest today talking about your life and this interesting memoir. And I understand that the memoir is now going to what? Is it officially now out in book form, I remember me? Oh, yeah. yes, it's out in book form, and it's all in, in uh, an e-book. There's an e-book where you can actually uh, press buttons and hear uh, me talk about my kids when they're on Fire Island, pictures that I took with my little 8-millimeter uh, camera, and all kinds of things, and, and, and I didn't even know this existed, but these two gentlemen came and made an e-book out of my regular yes. book. Oh, I want a book you can put on the shelf, but they've got a book you can put on an iPad or whatever they call them. Right, for the new technology. That's out right. There. You call e-books, I guess. Amazing stuff, Mr. Reiner. You know, I also find a bit of trivia here for Johnny Carson fans, and more specifically, The Tonight Show. Is that correct, sir, that you're the only guest to have appeared with all of the hosts of The Tonight Show in history? Yeah, as a matter of fact, before The Tonight Show host, there was a guy called Jerry Lester. There were a few people before that I appeared. Because <laughs> I started in television in 1948 when it was an ABC was a little, had one little office in a, in a horse rink where they did the news, and I did a show called The Fashion Story, where a girl, a girl named Marilyn Day sang. I was a, a comedy photographer, and we did sketches while I was in a Broadway show called Inside USA. I used to get in my cab, change in the uh, cab, and get on stage at 8 o'clock wow. on Broadway. So that was very early television. You have some closing stories to share here. We've got about 10 minutes before the top of the hour. And again, our very special guest is none other than Carl Reiner, an American actor, film director, producer, writer, and comedian. He's won, ladies and gentlemen, 12 Emmy Awards and one Grammy Award during his continuing career. He's 91 years young, and going back to his uh, life, he's talking to us today about his new memoirs in book and e-form, I Remember Me. Mr. Reiner, as we move to the top of the hour here, I find it so fascinating. You've been in the company of so many people. Hetty Lamar, tell me a little about her, because there's actually a funny story that you write in one of the chapters. You're trying to light her cigarette. You're yeah. both appearing on a game show. Yeah. What happens from there? Well, we were, I was sitting next to her on a game show. We were both panelists, both looking at the host. I think it was Bill Cullen. <laughs> and I was being very, uh, you know, gentlemanly. I was uh, paying attention to the uh, host. But I noticed in the corner of my eye that she was taking something out of a pocketbook. I assumed she was going to light up a cigarette. In those <laughs> days, people lit cigarettes. So I reached into my pocket without looking at her, took out a pack of matches, 
and I struck a match and held it under, didn't even look at it. And she said, Carl, what are you trying to do? You're going to light my lozenge? She was putting a lozenge in her mouth. <laughs> and, and you I, have a match lit underneath her. Oh, yeah. I had a rifle held it right before her finger. You want to light my lozenge? It even has alliteration to it. You want to light my lozenge? She was, <laughs> by the way, she was the single most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life. I've and, heard the story. And, the, and we found out later she was an inventor. The idea that, that hmm. she came up with, she was a, actually a real inventor of mechanical devices. And the the cell phones and all the things we're using today, she has a patent on a thing that was able to make all of this possible. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. never would have thought that such a person would even have any kind of uh, I know, but, like but it came out in the paper not too long ago. Mr. Reiner, you've also described in your book a... How do I say this? Uh, a very big, deep interest and fascination with Judy Garland. You describe a scene there in your, in your memoirs that I think is also very prolific. Well, I just love Judy Garland. From the time I was 13 years old, I saw her in a thing called Balboa. She sang Balboa in us. I fell in love with it. literally fell in love with it. Every time I saw that quivering lip, those eyes, I mean, I was smitten. And then when I was 38, 37 years old, she had a program called... Uh, uh, Celebrity play. I did celebrity. She talked to celebrities, and I remember two shows actually. I was on two shows with her, and I remember sitting with her one day, and she said she was. We were the exact same age, and I told her, by the way, how much I did love her, and I said, "Sure, I would have done anything to be your boyfriend." And I and but she said, she said thirty-seven. We're both thirty-seven, and then she actually said these words to me. Isn't 37 a shitty age? <laughs> exact words I quote her. And I say, why so? She says, well, 40 is an, a round number. Everybody says life begins at 40. She right. says, 38 is a nice round number. You're approaching a lovely age, but 37 is nowhere. And I hmm. said, she, I said, she sits in between. And I said, you know, in my first, one of the first things you sang a song to a picture of God Gable singing, I'm just an in-between. I says, you're again an in-between. <laughs> you know, it's so incredible. And one of the most phenomenal movies, ladies and gentlemen, George Burns, we we would be remiss if we didn't, Mr. Reiner, talk about him. You directed Oh God. I mean, that was one of my favorite movies and still probably is what? One of the great classics, uh, George Burns. Talk about this relationship. I mean, just amazing. Well, I just love George Burns because, uh, first of all, I, all my life I watched him do Without, he, he was the least sweaty comedian in the history of the world. He never, never, never sweated. He was so calm. And when I had him in Oh God, uh, the two things I learned about him, he was the most professional man I'd ever met. He learned the whole script before he did it. So any day I wanted to change scenes, he was ready to do it. Other actors say, wait, wait, i got to learn my lines. He was so perfect. But I must say, one of the things I remember, <laughs> before I even used him, the first time I met him was with uh, Mel Brooks and I were doing the 2,000-year-old man at parties. And right. he was at a party, and he, with a cigar, after we finished, he says, is there an album? And you, did you put this on an album? <laughs> and we said, no. He says, put it on an album, or I'm going to steal it. <laughs> and it was him, and as a matter of fact, it was uh, Edward G. Robinson. After it says, yeah, make a play out. I want to play the 1,000-year-old man on Broadway. I said, he's 2,000. I can play any age, he said. And it was Steve Allen who said, hey, fellas, take take my 
He had a studio called World Pacific. He said, why don't you go there whale for a couple hours? And it was Steve Allen who, who actually made us put the 2,000-year-old man on record. But I remember that was George Burns was the one who, who suggested we put it on record. Mr. Reiner, it's an amazing journey that you've shared with our audience here, and I'm really, I want to salute you, sir, for all the stories that you have in there, a most amazing life that continues positively, you know, and I say this, sir, with no apologies, I, I've talked to so many folks that are in their 70s and 80s, and you sound like you're just, uh, what, uh, 35 years old and, and very positive with energy, and I really do appreciate your time talking about this. I wanted to close, if it's okay by you, sir, just to read a quote, and I think it's so apropos, and if you could describe the quote, and the quote is this, inviting people to laugh at you while you're laughing at yourself is a good thing to do. You may be the fool, but you are the fool in charge. I think it sums up so much. Hey, by the way, that is, I'm going to tell you something about that is I don't think it's ever been done before. You see that quote? That quote comes from my anecdotal life. I was looking in other books I've written. I looked for a quote from, you know, Mark Twain or De Rochefoucauld or Oscar Wilde, Orson Welles, somebody, and I couldn't find a quote. So for enter laughing, I mean, for uh, um, my anecdotal life, I put that quote in my anecdotal life. You know where that quote comes from? Where, sir? The book itself. I wrote that for the. It's inside the book someplace as something I happen to write. I, so in that book, I quote myself. I says, and I said it. You know, I do the quote. And at the bottom, it says, "From my anecdotal life by Carl Reiner." Now I did another book, and I put. I quote myself, quoting myself from another book that I quoted myself. That's, and I'm sure that you'll be continuing to continue on and tweet, tweet, tweet. Right? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Carl Reiner, it's a privilege and honor. I want to thank you. And if you're kind enough, sir, as we come to the top of the hour here, as you know, sir, in radio, uh, we'd like to just have you hold on the line just for a moment uh, off air. But ladies and gentlemen, a wonderful opportunity here to share the life, albeit a short interview, so much in the 55 chapters that Carl Reiner, our special guest, is sharing with the world his life, continuing strong at 91. He just celebrated his 91st birthday on March the 20th. And, sir, in memory of your wonderful wife, Estelle, and a salute to your children, Rob, Annie, and Lucas, I want to thank you, sir, for being our special guest here on our radio show today. I'm Steve Cates. Dr. Sky will be right back on the other side of the top of the hour with more and phenomenal guests. Thank you, Mr. Carl Reiner. Well, sir, I'm really, I'm just flabbergasted. I, I really oh, I had a great time. You guys are terrific. Well, thank you. And I was you just guys, wondering. you guys, <laughs> you guys, you guys. I love it. Just wondering, sir, if you might just do this little. And you're you're the pro at this. So I just wanted to ask in general terms. I'm Doctor Sky, so something yes. that would say, "Hi, this is Carl Reiner," and just tell me a little bit about yourself. Not that people don't know you, and tell me the tie-in with your book, and maybe something that you know. And you're listening to the Doctor Sky Show. <laughs> 